Man, it's good to see you guys back. Just before I came in here today, someone stepped in my office and said, you're not going to believe it, but there's some folks that are really, really upset about wearing a mask to church today. And really, really upset about maybe not getting the full information about how masks are going to work. And I just want to apologize for that. Me, I, I take that. I, I'm the one who kind of leads communication here. And so we've tried to do our best to try to communicate why we're doing that. And, if, and if, if it's because of lack of communication, can I just say very quickly, we believe as a leadership team that we will not demand our freedoms when love demands something else. Right now, there's some folks who can't come this morning because they knew that some folks wouldn't be wearing masks, and so they had to stay at home. They wanted to be here, but they can't. And for those who are upset about wearing masks and upset about us maybe taking away your freedoms, I don't apologize for that at all. Because I firmly believe that if Jesus could wear a cross, you can wear a mask. I mean that. So I don't apologize about that. If that makes you angry, I'm, I'm sorry, but then again, I'm not. Because if there's ever a passage of Scripture, I've asked us to go look at it. It's Romans chapter 14. And so please don't be upset with anybody else or say anything angry until you've read Romans 14. Because God's very specific about this situation there, as specific as any situation as I've ever seen in my life in regards to do or don't do something. And he says, if you come up to a, a situation where you have a difference of opinion, let love win. Every time. Every time. And so I'm going to ask you to pray with me today, because that's what we're trying to do as a leadership team here, is to let love win. And I, I, I don't know whether statistically or not this is going to help us get over this, but I'm not concerned about statistics. I'm concerned about loving people. And I hope you'll come join us to do that. So let's pray. Father, we come to you this morning realizing this is a, this is a tough time for our nation. And I hate that it's a tough time for our church, but it is. And I really do pray this morning that you can continue to give this eldership wisdom and discernment about what we do for our family. And I, I pray for all of us to support those leaders who are doing their best, agonizing what to do next and what not to do next. And I pray that this will be a fellowship who's known for the next generation. As our kids are watching us, that we didn't demand our freedoms, we did what love demanded. That's what we want to hand on. And Father, I'm, I'm asking you to help us through the power of the Spirit and through the strength of your Word to help us do just that. And we're not the only ones who are trying to do that today. We realize Calvary Temple right up the road here who came to help us say goodbye to one of our sisters this week. Uh, they're wanting to do that. So please bless them in their efforts to try to be Jesus Christ in the world and to counteract terror and hate and unlove with amazing grace. For we ask us in Jesus' name and everyone said. If you've got your Bibles, I want to invite you uh, to please open them up to the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 12. This may or not, may or not matter to you, but I turned 59 in July. Um, and why that's significant to me is because this is my last year in the 50s. <laughs> so I'm trying to relish it, because next year I turn... That sounds so old! <laughs> but it's getting younger every day, okay? I promise you. But I've been getting jazzed by some people who will enjoy it while it lasts and tell me about all the wonderful things I have waiting for me as I get older. Well, those things are starting to happen. My muscles are starting to lose their density a little bit, even with the same workout regimen that I have. Y'all can tell I work out right. Still losing muscle density. My hearing's not what it used to be. Just not. But the thing I hate most is my memory slipping. I just don't remember things as well as I used to when I was younger. 
And I was reminded this week of a Jimmy Kimmel video that I've been saving for Father's Day, but I couldn't wait anymore because I feel like it, it just fits today. We're going to show that here in a minute, but it's a classic because in this video, uh, a guy on the street goes and he interviews some dads uh, about specifics in their children's lives. Watch this and we'll talk about it in a minute. Do you consider you guys pretty close? Yeah. What is your daughter's favorite subject in school? Social study. Is that true? No. What grade is your daughter going into? Ninth grade. What's the name of your daughter's school? Uh, Ash Creek Elementary School? No. River Creek? No. Something Creek? No. <laughs> what color are your daughter's eyes? Brown. All right, let's look. That is incorrect. They're blue. I have a brown-eyed daughter, though. What is your daughter's birthday? Uh, May 17th. Oh, no, it's the 14th, and I don't know what year. Can you name your daughter's teacher? Mrs. Jones. Nope. Mrs. Moore. Is not Moore? Nope. That was my elementary school teacher. <laughs> Can you name their teachers? Of course I cannot. <laughs> what are your daughter's birthdays? Ah, uh, why do you do this to me? <laughs> I give up. Any guesses? Yesterday. Oh, yeah, yesterday! <laughs> <laughs> Her birthday was yesterday. <laughs> yes. Can you name the best friend of each of your daughters? Uh, Mari Carmen Rojas, Jimena Lopez, mm -hmm. Adamari Lopez, mm -hmm. Cristina Cornejo. Good. Uh, can you give us the name of their doctor? Paddy Torres. Good. Can you give us the name of their dentist? Uh, Games Dentalman. Mm -hmm. uh, what are your daughter's birthdays? Yes, uh, May 28, 2009. I don't think that guy knew the names of his kids. <laughs> We're off there, guys. Wow. Well, I share that because memory loss is not just a dad thing. It's not. It comes with aging, among other things, I'm told. This guy's name is John Sorensen. He's 92 years young. And in an interview on live TV, he was asked what it feels like when he wakes up in the morning being 92. And his response was, surprised? <laughs> oh, what a great answer. I know that none of us is guaranteed to be alive tomorrow. I've been reminded of that the last four weeks three different times. But the odds are, every day that you live, that increases that you won't be alive the next day. So I want to read today from the book of Ecclesiastes, a very, very wise book, where he offers us a perspective on aging. Ecclesiastes 12 and verse 1. Honor and enjoy your Creator while you're still young. Before the years take their toll and your vigor wanes. Before your vision dims and your world blurs. And the winter years keep you close to the fire. In old age, your body no longer serves you so well. Muscles slacken, grip weakens, joints stiffen. The shades are pulled down on the world. You can't come and go at will. Things grind to a halt. The hum of the household fades away. You are awakened, not by birdsong now, not an alarm. Hikes to the mountains are a thing of the past. 
Even a stroll down the road has its terrors. Your hair turns apple blossom white. I didn't know that was what this was doing. Adorning a fragile and impotent matchstick body. Didn't want to hear that. Yes, you are well on your way to eternal rest. While your friends make plans for your funeral, life, lovely life, while it lasts, is soon over. Life as we know it, precious and beautiful, ends. The body is put back in the same ground that it came from. The spirit returns to God who first breathed it. Now, I know because of some of your age, it is hard to wrap your mind around the fact that all of this is coming, but it is coming. A day when all of our muscles will weaken, a day when all of our visions will dim, a day when all of our hearing will fade. And so Solomon is giving us as best a wise counsel as he can. And I think this is it in a nutshell. Be kind to the older person you're becoming. Everybody here is becoming an older person and will unless some accident or tragedy interrupts that. Be kind then to the older person that you're becoming. See, we're all on a journey, I think, kind of like this. When God decided to place us in families... He did so by allowing us to start off in in something similar to this, at least in the modern times. A time in which children would come into the world and they would be dependent upon older folks to take care of them just to survive. But as a part of this timeline in life, God also realized that that would flip. That there would come a time later in life when, when people would be older and then the younger would be required to take care of them in order for them to survive. And the scripture tries to point us to the fact that that's a good thing. It's a very, very good thing. And what really matters is it's not whether you're here or whether you're there. What really matters is is how, how you understand what God's plan is for that and how we live it as a church family. Some of you today are closer in age to this particular um, aspect of life. Some of you are closer today in, in this category of maybe this lifespan or this Timeline, And I want us all to hear some things, though, that I believe, regardless of whether you're here or whether you're there, will help you love people in this world better. You listening? Will help you love people in this world better. We're going to start with this one. That you love people who are older than you. Everybody. That you love people who are older than you. Now, that may seem like common sense to say, but more and more I think people are being taken advantage of at the hands of younger people. Case in point, I saw this article this past week in North Carolina. Three women arrested after police bust fight club at a retirement home. Now, I get it. That sounds a little humorous at first until you hear the details. What was happening is some older people who were suffering from dementia and Alzheimer's were literally being pitted against one another without their consent. The staff, three in particular, were behind it. They would film the fights, they would take bets on the fights, and they wouldn't pull them apart when one person was literally attacking another unmercifully and didn't know what they were doing. I don't have a category for that kind of evil. Yet on some levels, I'm not shocked because sadly we're living in a society where life is not valued on the front end or on the back end. So that's why the book of Leviticus points the people of God, we can do better. Here's what he says. He invites us to stand in the presence of the elderly and show respect for those who are aged. (laughs) My great-grandmother Nanny and my great-grandfather Gus farmed in Comanche, Texas. I remember spending some time with them when I was four, five, and six years old, and then my parents got a divorce and never really saw them again. But during those years, I, I went out and I pulled eggs from the chicken coop and I helped milk the cow. And, and one of the things that always stunned me was to go into the garage and see the empty number of milk cartons that my nanny had there. If she had one, I promise you, she had 500. They were used to store everything from buttons, batteries, and bullets. 
And she used them the garden, in the garden to store young plants and help them to get started. We use them to build forts with for our G.I. Joes and Tonka cars. My grandpa Gus kept every part from every tractor he ever worked on, every car he ever worked on, every lawnmower he ever worked on. And I can hear them both to this day saying the same thing. You never know when you might need that. Some of you have heard it too. Friends, the reason why they didn't throw anything away is because they lived during the Great Depression when they didn't have anything to throw away. And it taught them some valuable lessons. And an even greater influence, I think, though, was living during a time when they were under the awful cloud of a world war. Forget COVID. It was an awful, awful cloud. An entire world was at war. You remember not long after the Great Depression, the tyrannical leader to the east was attacking our allies in Europe. A maniacal dictator to the west attacked us while we were sleeping in Pearl Harbor. And we were all drawn into World War II. You may have forgotten this fact, but 85 million people died in that war. 85 million people died in that war. Gail's father fought in that war. I had great uncles who died in that war. We have members here who fought in that war. And what has impressed me over the years about that generation of people is not only did they rid the world of tyranny, and we're grateful for them for doing that, but they came home and they built an entire nation with their sweat, blood, and tears. The infrastructure you and I take for granted, the roads, the highways, the hospitals, the courthouses, the power plants, we enjoy because of that generation. They built it. They built the houses that Chip and Joanna Gaines loved to renovate. This generation harnessed atomic energy, created vaccines against vicious diseases, and for heaven's sakes, they put a man on the moon for the very first time. But most importantly, I would say this about this older generation. They were extremely faithful in their marriages. They were extremely faithful to their church. They were loyal to their employers. And they've been faithful to develop communities right now that you're living in. And I think at times, sometimes the body of Christ just needs to uh, stop when significant things like that have been done and just remember them together. And so, I just want to ask this morning, if you will, I know you can because you're here, but if you will, would you please stand if you're over 80 years old? Do we have anybody here this morning over 80 years old? All right. That's what's known as the builder generation, and for good reason. Sincerely, I just want to say to all of you who stood, and for those of you who are at home right now because the risk is still too great, you feel, to be here, thank you. A thousand thank yous for what you've done to make this country the great country that it is. Thank you. Every time I meet someone older than me, and every time you meet someone older than you, you have a choice to make. You can either respect them or resent them. Have you noticed in our culture we tend to want to highlight the negative aspects of all the generations except ours? But friends, as the followers of Christ, we don't have that option. We're told to respect anybody who's older than us. And that's a challenge in our society, which less and less has respect for any form of life, either here or there. So I'm going to show you what I want us to aim at as a church. This is Rosalind and Spencer. <laughs> Rosalind is an 80-year-old widow. Spencer is an aspiring rapper. They met one another on the popular internet game, Words with Friends. Anybody here play that? Words with Friends? Okay, we've got quite a few. They've played over 300 times in just one year, and they really kind of became friends through this game. They had never met, never seen each other. And so Rosalind, through a minister in New York, arranged to extend an invitation to Spencer to come to her home in Florida, if he could, and she'd fix him lunch. Well, to Spencer's credit, he drove 1,000 miles to have lunch at her retirement home with her. 
And they are new besties today. We not only need more stories like that, church, I believe that we need more people like that. And if anybody ought to be leading the pack in this world, it's Christians. Amen? You can do that by loving people who are older than you. Number two, by learning from people who are older than you. One of my favorite memories of my kids' teen years was of a young lady by the name of Chrissy. She was the wife of our youth minister. And I watched her intentionally, on purpose, pour into my two girls and all the other girls in our youth group who she was in Christ. And I could still see her face and I can still hear some of the things that she said because this is a woman who was a little bit unique in the way she dressed. She was shabby chic before shabby chic was cool. All right? But I am telling you, there was nothing shabby about the way this woman loved Jesus. She took hold of our girls and she poured into them how, how reverent we needed to be in God's presence. How holy He's called us to be with our bodies. How, how loving He's called us to be with every resource that God's ever given us and every gift and talent. Oh, I'm so grateful for Chrissy pouring in to my girls, but even more grateful that my girls listened and learned from her. They didn't dish her. They soaked her up. Dennis Moore, who's in his 80s, is a man who's impacted my life. He was a minister like me in his, in his youth. That's slowly fading for me. But when he was in his 20s and 30s, he was a phenomenal preacher. But he was preaching grace in a time in our fellowship when grace wasn't that cool. And he got beat up badly for doing it. And so he went and sold real estate. Great real estate salesman. But when they moved to Reynosa, he was retired. And he hadn't taught a class in over 25 years. Hadn't preached a sermon in that long. And I was just astounded. I am talking one of the best communicators I've ever been around in my life. And every Sunday, he would find me after services were over, and he would put his hands on my shoulders, and he would say something about that message or something that was done this last week or whatever. If it wasn't then, it was when I would go out to his house and walk with him. He still walks. He's like 87 and still walks two miles a day. Amazing man. But he wasn't always encouraging like pat on the bat encouraging. Sometimes what I had said or what I had done, he suggested needed to be done in a 180 fashion. Rethink that one, sportsman, and let me give you some suggestions about what maybe you could say or do. One of the greatest gifts of people in my life. He's probably the third person older than me that by God's grace and by his nudging, I've sat under and listened to. And I'm telling you, my life's not the same because of it. More and more I'm realizing, I think, one of the reasons why this, this culture is unraveling at the seams has to do with the fact we've chosen, listen to me, we've chosen to not be multi-generational. We've got young people over here, we've got old people over here, and it's almost like you're, you're afraid or you're too angry or, or whatever to engage each other. And I want to be a part of helping bridge that gap, okay? And this church is moving in that direction in a lot of ways, but I just want to fan that flame. Here's what Proverbs chapter 19 and verse 20 says. Young people, get all the advice and all the instruction you can so you'll be wise the rest of your life. Remember the wise Solomon? God came to him and said, you can have anything you want. And he said, you know what? Just give me wisdom. Wow. That opened doors for everything else by making that request. I just want to encourage you. Get all the instruction and all the teaching you can from anyone who will pour into you. On the screen is a group of men who every Saturday at a park in Salt Lake City talk shop. They talk politics and sports and religion. Nothing is off limits. They cheerfully make fun of each other to the point that one of the wives said about them, I don't know if this is the most productive way for a group of men their age to spend their Saturdays. So they did this. They came up with a banner that they hang over their tent at the farmer's market. 
Old coots giving advice is probably bad advice, but it's free. <laughs> I love that. And people are showing up younger than them, asking about financial advice and marital advice and career advice, and they're loving it. And it was a little bit of a funny statement to do that, but it was also a little bit of a bold statement to do that. They, they didn't know if anybody would come, and they have, because these old guys have something to offer. Not had, have. And so I'm going to say to some folks maybe that fit in the category of old guys and old gals, you have something to offer. Please offer it. Please. To the younger people, I want to say again, get all the advice from these folks when they go to pour into you that you can. Get all the advice and instruction you can so that you'll be wise the rest of your lives. One of my favorite sections of the New Testament is often that I often turn to is where the Apostle Paul is writing a letter to a wet-behind-the-ears preacher by the name of Titus. And in it, here's one of the things he says, make sure this is a part of your ministry, that you encourage the older folks, the older men, to pour into the younger men. And you encourage the older women to pour into the younger women. He said, make that a cornerstone of your ministry. And I'll explain why he does in a minute. But we have that happening here. We have some of our older moms and our older wives who are pouring into our, our younger wives and our younger moms on a thing called heart-to-heart. Heart. Some of that happens in some of our Medina moms classes here, but, but specifically it's happening in a place called heart-to-heart. Heart. And I love that. It's been going on for about 11 years. Guys, I think we ought to come up with our own, okay? What do you say we call it? Old duds and young studs. <laughs> no, that's, I read that wrong. It's old dads and young lads, Okay. We don't need to call it anything. And we don't even have a big group thing about it. Here's what I just want to encourage you. Older guys, 60 and above, I'm not quite there yet, but okay, when I get there, would you find somebody younger, please? Play golf with them, take them to coffee, go get a brisket sandwich with them, okay? Would you please do that? I'm begging you, please do that for the sake of this church and this generation. They need you to. They need you to listen. And they need for you to share. Because there's some things that you can help lay a foundation of that will help them have tremendous success. And there's some things you've made mistakes in that only can maybe be shared in a one-on-one -on -one situation where you can say, I wouldn't do that, here's what I did, and it just blew up all over me. Pass on that one, okay. And I'm just saying this, I don't care what church in America is doing on Sunday morning, there's not enough of that going on in any of the church. Amen? It's true. It's hard to hear, but it's true. I want you to meet Anna. She's 114 years old, and she believes her life matters. Her 85-year-old son bought her an iPad <laughs> so she could Facebook. <laughs> she wanted to explore. She'd been hearing her family talk about this Facebook. She said, would you get me an iPad so that I can join that too? And so they, they got her a profile. And the reason why I'm going into all this is those of you who do Facebook realize that, well, some of you may not hear, uh, but the profile only goes up to 99 years old. And so she gladly tells everybody when they ask her, how old is she? I'm 99. Check my profile. <laughs> but she did that to be more in touch with her younger family and to love on them at 114 years old. I love that. That's why 2 Corinthians 4.16 encourages those of you filled with the Holy Spirit, those of you who are followers of Jesus, though outwardly we're wasting away, inwardly we're being renewed day by day. I don't know if Anna's a Christian. Wouldn't surprise me if she is, but it surprises me that not more and more of us realize the value of what you have that are 60 and older. The wisdom and the things you've learned and the things that you've gotten wrong that you can share with people who are younger. Please know that, yeah, the outside may be wasting away, but the inside doesn't have to. It can just be renewed day by day. That's God's word. I didn't make that up. 
Psalm 73 and verse 26 says this, My health may fail, my spirit may grow weak, but my God remains the strength of my heart. He's mine forever. Now that's the right attitude. Here's the flip side. It's the wrong attitude. Standing in line getting some donuts the other day, a guy in front of me in his 80s, I'm guessing, said to his buddy, My OCD kicked in yesterday at the park store. His buddy said, Well, you've never struck me as someone who's obsessive-compulsive. And the older gentleman said, well, that for me, that stands for old, cranky, and dangerous. Now, I laugh, too. That sounds cute, but I don't want to live that way. I think I did get behind him, though, on Goat Creek Road the other day. I want to remind us as a church of something that you may know and maybe, maybe you don't know. Do you realize there's right at, give or take, a hundred lives in this book that God throws a spotlight on and says, watch this. Out of that hundred lives, only about 30 end well. And God chronicles that. I don't want us to be among that 30%. I don't. And here's the thing. You don't have to be. What God's trying to say this morning, we're not just filling some time here. He's trying to gather a group of folks and say, hey, your life matters. Believe it. Those of you who are older especially, believe it. Those of you who are younger, realize you can love older people. You can learn from those older people and not wind up being part of that 30% who just blew their life and destroyed it. I'm looking at a room full of people I know whose lives have not turned out like you thought. Every one of you. No way they could. Who could figure what's taking place in your life? Every one of us could, when that happens, start down a path that I want to call regret or the path of what if. And you know some folks who just live there, who, who made a dumb decision financially or made a dumb decision maritally, and they have just lived in the land of what if, and if we would have, and it could have, and I, oh, I can't believe I... Uh... Okay, Jesus took care of all that at the cross, didn't He? Let me have all of those mistakes, all of those dumb things you said, all those dumb things you did that you just wish you could forget about, but you can't. Let me have those. And let, let me let you know they're forgiven. If you believe that, that I died on the cross sinless, that I came into the world, put on flesh, sent by God, so that you could have forgiveness, great, trust that, and it's done. But know that I'm going to give you my spirit, not just clean you up so that you can have your ticket in heaven punched. No, so that you can receive the spirit and now live. So draw a line in the sand, some of you today. Get off the road called what if. Get off the road called regret, and let's get at it. Okay? Because we can. We can. You can love people who are older than you. You can learn from people who are older than you. And last but not least, you could lead people who are younger than you. And if you will, your life will matter. It was an absolute joy this summer on Way Cool Wednesdays to watch our teens pouring into the lives of our younger kids. Those who are older pouring into the younger. And that's not happening just there. It's happening in our past VBSs. Oh my goodness, it's just, it was always just fun to see this building full of, of older teens loving our younger kids. I love hearing about it when they go down to the valley to do VBSs down there. I love hearing about it when they do my serve here. Parents, I just want to say, wahoo! We got our kids living out the mission that we need to lead ordinary people into an extraordinary relationship with Jesus. They're doing it. They are. Because all leadership is, is intentional influence, right? That's what we've been saying for years. So we got young people that are intentionally influence those who are younger than them. And that's a good thing. By far, one of the best parts of my ministry has been the young men that God gives me an opportunity to pour into every week, if not every other week. God's given me a chance to pour my life into a handful of young men 
to come alongside guys that are already doing amazing things and saying, come on, keep going. We need you to stay fresh, to stay in the battle, be wise. And some that that aren't quite in that game yet, but they're close. That has been the highlight of my life, not preaching sermons, not doing grace bombs, not preaching funerals or weddings. I'm telling you, it's been pouring my life into someone else's life and seeing that catch fire and make a difference. But I only do it because that's what Jesus said do. If there's any pattern for the church, it's not what we do here in this room when we gather together. There's some of that. But the pattern is he pulled around himself 12 guys and he poured his life into them so that they could go then and pour their lives into other people. Everybody got that one? Yeah, we got that one. Let's go do it. Okay? Let's go do it. Because I'm telling you, it's a game changer, both for you and for others. Jesus sent us out. Maybe we don't like the word disciple. All right, then use the word mentor. That's what he sent us to do. Go into the world and make mentors of all the world, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've taught you. And we can, like our sister, Ann Robertson. Where'd you dig that up from? At the age of 27, she determined that she was going to have a hand in influencing first graders to fall in love with Jesus. Well, this year at the age of 77, she taught her very last class. If we did the math right, that makes 50 years, consecutive years of teaching first class. And she's right over there. Okay, y'all sit back down. I was talking to her yesterday, and I said, why do you like teaching first graders so long and so much? True story. Here's what she said. Because they're convinced they don't know everything yet. And it's always fun to see them soaking up memory verses and listening to Bible stories, enjoying the crafts that are connected to the Bible stories. And she said, when we first started telling those Bible stories, we were using flannel graphs, little pictures of people and stick them on a piece of felt. And she said, now they do it with iPads. Well, the how has changed. But the who has never changed. That only happens when someone with a passion to lead younger people does something. Intentionally influences a group of kids. I loved her honesty about this. She said, I wanted my kids to be influenced, my, her own kids, to buy great people at church. And she said, I knew many. And she said, I'm going to be honest with getting four kids ready for church. I knew some Sundays it would just be hard to just get there. She said, so I thought that if I decided to teach a class and I felt responsible that would help me to get there. She said, I've had so much help over the years. She mentioned Gwen Fikes as one of her lead helpers. But she said, I've had so many. She said, especially the last 10 years of this journey. And I couldn't have done it without them. I asked, well, teaching for so long, did you have the opportunity to teach all of your own kids? And she said, no, I miss Clay. But yes, I taught Doug, I taught Elizabeth, and I taught Troy. And I asked if there was any problems teaching your kid. And she said, oh, no. Well, except for Doug. <laughs> Booyah. I know y'all are all shocked that I would say that. She said another reason for her long tenure was because she was at a teacher's banquet where they were honoring her for teaching for 25 years. Alden Cook was the preacher then, and he said, you know, I'm really proud of what you've done for this church and what it's meant. You're teaching so well and so long. But he said, I did hear of a woman in Sherman, Texas, who taught for 50. And never being someone to back down, she said, game on. <laughs> well, young lady, you kept your word. We don't have a plaque for you today. We don't. But we do have a painting that we commissioned for you in your honor. And um, a lady by the name of Patty Thomas here, who has influenced so many young people with her gifts 
not in the spoken word, but with her painted word. She painted something just for uh, our sweet Anne. And to present that painting is the one that she never was able to teach in her first grade class. But I promise she was paying attention about how to hand on a legacy. Let me end with this. Revelation chapter 22 and verse 13 says this. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. What do you do with a statement like that? Well, for me, what it says is that the God that I love and I serve is ageless. That time doesn't adversely affect him the way time affects us. I was thinking about this Sunday and this particular text um, one day this week as I was doing my walking early in the morning. It was still dark and I could still see the stars. And I remembered back to middle school science. And middle school science taught me that everything in this world began. It just, it just began and started moving in a direction. We don't know, at least the culture doesn't, where that's going. Now those of us in the church who've read the book, we know that, that this hand actually was the hand of the Alpha. And that his other hand is over here, the Omega. And that everything that blew out of that beginning is moving toward a very specific ending. And I just want to remind you as we walk out of here today what that looks like. <clears throat> in the beginning in Genesis, there was this garden and there was this tree. Hmm, interesting. In Revelation, at the ending, as it's described, there's this garden and this new tree. And I just want to say, everything in your life that goes on between those two trees matters. It matters. And the sooner we get that, the better your life in this world gets. Okay? And so I, let me say it one more time. Please, love older people. You can do that. Learn from older people. You can do that. And for heaven's sakes and for your sakes, you lead younger people, okay? Because God says it matters. Regrettably, I had a sad thought this week, and I'm going to share that and we'll wrap. I hate to end on a sad thought, but maybe it won't end just that way. We'll see where the Spirit leads it. There's going to be a lot of people who die in this country and around the globe. And I want to say this, their lives won't matter for much. They won't. And here's why. Because it's been all about them. It has been. All about you. And when a person like that leaves this world, they're not remembered long. Their legacy's cut short. Are they important to God? Yes. But to the world they've left behind? No. I want better for you. Okay? And we can have better. Every single one of you. It's the first time we've been together in a long, long time. From the very first Sunday that I was here, I said, that's my goal. Life for this church to the full. Life. Not just life existing or life just treading water, but life. And the one who's the way, the truth, and the life says, come get you some. Get you some by loving older people, learning from them, and leading some younger people. Father, we come to you just giving you thanks and glory and praise that we could do this today. We could celebrate the older people in our church who've helped build this nation to celebrate one older person maybe in body but younger in heart. A sweet, sweet sister that we've watched serve and give her life away to young people for year after year after year. You made that possible because of a death on a cross and because you raised your son to life and promised us that those of us who would put our faith and trust in that, we would have life. And we believe you. We're trying. As we end this today, Father, as we stand and sing this song of praise, we just we want to come together as a family and break bread at the table and say thank you because you made all this possible by what you gave us. And we're here to just say, we noticed and it matters. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen.